This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. You know, South Africa is marking quite a milestone this week. It was 25 years ago that the first true democratic elections were held in that country. That was the first time citizens of all races were actually allowed to take part. It was just 25 years ago. Now, this, of course, came after years and years of struggle for recognition, and it marked a huge turning point in the history of that country. Well, national video journalist for Global News, Alia Adam, traveled to the country to take a look at the impact of those elections and to explore some of the lesser-known history of other populations that were caught in the middle of apartheid. She joins us now to tell us more of that story. Tell us about your trip to South Africa. What is it like there now? Well, South Africa is a beautiful country and there's so, so much history there. Um, when I traveled there last August, I was specifically in Durban, which is a beach town on the East Coast. Uh, and it has a really massive Indian population there. And actually, South Africa has the largest concentration of Indians outside of India. So I really wanted to tell their stories because I feel like that's, like you said, a, a very a lesser known story that Indians were actually caught in the middle of apartheid. And they were also uh, considered non-white, obviously, during that era. So how did they come? How did there come to be such a sizable Indian population in South Africa? Well, that goes back centuries. I mean, after uh, slavery was abolished in Britain, they invented, they reinvented uh, slavery, calling it indentured labor. And uh, a lot of Indians were kidnapped or promised uh, that they would have a better life in South Africa. But in fact, they were forced to work in really awful conditions in sugar plantations. And they were bound by a five-year contract that put them there. And after the five-year contract, a lot of them couldn't afford to go back to India. And many, about 60% actually stayed in South Africa and, and build a community there from, from there. And that from there, the population really grew. So how were they then treated during apartheid? Because we tend to think of that as kind of black versus white. Was there another class created or were they all lumped in together? Like, how did that work? So the white government uh, created the Race Classification Act, and they put people actually in four different categories. White was obviously on the top, European, followed by Indian, colored, or what was of mixed descent, and then black was on, on the bottom. So the idea was really to just to pin the different races against each other by also subtly giving them each more privileges than the other. So... Uh, the black population would actually resent the Indian population because they were given more privileges. And instead of combining their fight against the government at the time, they, they there was a lot of tension between the two races. And it took decades for them to actually realize that, you know what, this is a joint struggle. And the only way we're going to bring down this government is if we come together and and do it together. Interesting. So was that, would you say, like a, a, a more recent development in South African history? Well, actually, Gandhi was the one who first uh, went to South Africa and, and saw that 
you know, segregation and um, discrimination was a big issue, especially against Indians at the time. And that, of course, was immortalized in in the famous film, the Gandhi movie, yeah. uh, where he was that moment where he was thrown off the train that was actually in South Africa. And he had a first class ticket on that train, but he was in a whites only cart. And he refused to move. He It was passive resistance. That was the birth of passive resistance. And that type of protest is what inspired a lot of activists decades later during the apartheid era. Um, and, and like I said, it took it took quite some time before um, uh, Nelson Mandela and Ahmed Kathrada, they were both part of the ANC, decided that they needed to come together and, and fight the government as a joint alliance and they did that beginning with the defiance uh protest in 1953 where they passively resisted the the laws the segregation laws so non-whites would enter white areas sit on white benches go to white bathrooms and obviously that caused a, an uprising and and a lot of violence uh from the from the apartheid era police officers and many people were arrested but it just went to show that the two races all the races uh could combine their fight and and be stronger in that way Interesting. Okay, so you're exploring a lot of this in your series that can be found online. Uh, what did you learn? Like, are there lesser known kind of heroes on the Indian side of the story as well? Well, that's just as I mentioned, Amit Kathrada is was one of Nelson Mandela's closest friends till till Nelson Mandela's dying day. They were they were very close friends. And it's not very well known, but Amit Kathrada spent much of the time in prison, he also spent 27 years in prison, and a lot of it was us with Nelson Mandela on Robben Island. So their friendship really grew after that joint um, alliance that they they decided on, and they they just um, you know they stayed yeah. very close together throughout the years. Is that something that's recognized in South Africa as part of the history or is it kind of not as well known as obviously the story of Nelson Mandela? Well, actually, Amit Kathrada is is very well known in South Africa. There are schools and street names and statues and and foundations under his name. It, It was really here in the Western side that I realized that those stories hadn't been told as much as the others. And when I was pitching the story, actually, a lot of my colleagues had no idea that Indians were part of this struggle at all. Interesting. So that is that becoming better known then, do you think, outside of South Africa now as well? Well, hopefully with uh, with stories like this that I that I publish and, and more and more um, awareness about all the people that were were held back due to the apartheid um hopefully the stories will uh will grow yeah what is the struggle like today though alia because i'm sure it's not a perfect situation right south africa still struggles and there's still a lot of problems there of course and i mean i spoke to a lot of experts about 25 years later looking at south africa is it really the rainbow nation that mandela envisioned and and it's very hard because uh, South Africa was under this apartheid for over 50 years. And even before apartheid was officially implemented, they were, uh, the black South Africans were already being, 
restricted in in land ownership. And so this is something that they're going to have to fight for decades to come. And a lot of people, a lot of experts agreed that it's going to be up to the next generations to be able to bridge those gaps. And of course, you know, that's that's just one issue. The the corruption in the government is another issue. The poverty is another issue. So there's just so much that the country has to deal with. And, and it just, it's not, I mean, it's sad because they were held back for so long and now they're, they're playing catch up essentially. Yeah, a lot of catch up. All right. So thank you so much for telling us about this story. Thank you. And of course the, the videos will all be live on our, our global news YouTube channel. So you can check them out all there. That's Aaliyah Adam, national video journalist for global news. And for more on her special series, you can check out the website, globalnews.ca.